1: of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
0: You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi The Around the NFL Podcast is the LeBron James of NFL Podcasts.
2: True. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Wolf, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. We got Patrick Claibon in the house. What, what? We Yo! got Chris Wesseling. All right. And we got Greg Rosenthal. Oh.
3: Hey. <laughs> hey, yeah.
2: So, uh,. Mark Sessler is doing his civic duty today. Um, He got roped into jury duty, so we have no idea when we will ever see him again.
3: Well, according to Mark, the trial, it goes through May 11th. He thought he was going to get out of it entirely when we last spoke to him, and then he found out he is on it, and it goes through May 11th. So I guess he's out all of next week.
1: Wow. Why didn't he try to bomb the interview portion of this? There's got to be at least 47% of Mark
4: that wants to be on jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely believe he's, that. He's a man of high
3: character. He's not gonna. He's not gonna lie on the on on the jury uh, thing. Plus, they don't really. Exactly. Ask, okay, they don't really ask you anything. <laughs> or at least my experience was. I I thought in my head maybe I'll try to subtly do it, and they never. It never really even was possible. I like, actively tried to get they, picked.
2: Yeah, they before, just put me on, and they were like, "Nah." Yeah, out.
1: it's not. It was, I didn't have that similar experience. <laughs> it's like, all right, Why? we we what don't happened? want this guy. Well, Colleen, uh, it all started back in uh, 1648. That's no, off. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, Dan Hanses, he's off. I don't know where where is Dan. Nobody knows. Okay,
4: I think he's Dan's going going to, off the grid. I
3: think he's going to Vegas with some friends. Ooh. Oh, he's going to hang out with Spice Rack.
2: He is. I yeah. think so. Oh, that's I think awesome. That. Or as that. you know
4: him, Peppermill. Peppermill. <laughs> Pepper
3: <laughs> could be wrong I think that's where he's going
2: (laughs) all right so Dan and Peppermill in the desert that's cool I'm sure they'll have some great stories about that but as you guys heard earlier this week we did around the AFC in 48 minutes so that means today is around the NFC in 48 minutes but um, we also have some news we got to get to we didn't have that last week or a couple days ago so Let's get into it with Matt Ryan first getting paid and uh, he agreed to a new five-year $150 million deal that makes him the league's first $30 million per year quarterback. Tom Pellicero first reported this. We knew it was coming, but now it's official, Greg.
3: There's not much to say with these (laughs) quarterback contracts as they get updated. I'm kind of tired of making my same argument each time, which is that they're all worth it and that they're all underpaid relative to other positions in the NFL. And especially with Matt Ryan, compared to some of the other guys who have gotten it on a much smaller resume recently, like Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan's so safe to me. I mean, he followed up an MVP season with a really good, I think, underrated season a year ago. And it's kind of a no brainer. It's just it's the cost of doing business, and Aaron Rodgers will pass him as the next $100 million man in a, in a few weeks or a few months.
4: Yeah, if Kirk Cousins on the open market is worth 28 or $29 million a year, Matt Ryan would have got maybe 38 or $39 million a right, year if he exactly. ever made the open market. It was his general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, who, who once said, until you find your quarterback, the search for him consumes you. That's what it means not to have a quarterback in the NFL. There was never any chance that the Falcons were going to let him hit the market. He was always going to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league until Aaron Rodgers once again becomes highest-paid quarterback in the league.
1: Looking at his, his cash earnings throughout the years, it's crazy the jump a guy that was making $15 million a year back in 2013 is now literally getting double that.
2: Oh, my God.
1: That's a good call. It's, it's great. That's Great for Matt Ryan. I, I wonder about income disparity eventually becoming – an issue in the NFL <laughs> when you've got all these quarterbacks because we look at the guys that have come in just it's already a couple issue, of years it? mm-hmm.
3: but it's, it's not just it's, quarterbacks though I to me to your point like Nate Solder's making more money than Matt Ryan made five years ago right. Nate Solder is making more money than Peyton Manning ever made in Denver so I don't know it's the certain positions that get valued that high
1: but as as things go and these incremental boosts go in quarterback salary they're going at such a higher rate than all the other positions. When when does that eventually? When's mm. that bubble going to pop? I don't because you gotta, going to. You got to get a football team on the field, right?
4: It's not going to yeah. pop until the NFL bubble pops. <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't think
1: it cool. is because the sun will explode. I still <laughs> think it's
4: <laughs> that compared to other
3: positions, quarterbacks are still underpaid. I mean, because because Indama sue when he's making twenty, like their quarterbacks are just so important compared to those other positions that I think it it's just kind of catching up with what. It should be.
2: Yeah, and I'm really interested just to see how the offense looks this year, but we'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the Falcons um, coming up. But wait, Lindsay, did I completely blow through a news drop that you had prepped? Well, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. It was a nice transition. Well, you could from... always
3: put it right now before the second right. item.
2: Yeah, so let, let's just do it now.
1: Today I've decided that the time has come for me to pass the torch to the next generation of Dallas Cowboys and retire from the National Football League.
2: It's official guys. Jason Witten, he's retiring and he's joining the Monday Night Football broadcast. It's crazy to think that he was drafted as a third-round pick in 2003 and you look at what he's done. He walks away as the fourth in all-time receptions, only behind Jerry Rice, Tony Garcia or uh, Tony Gonzalez and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, that's what a career he had and what a different offense this Cowboys team is going to look like.
4: Oh, yeah, I think when, when I think of Witten, I think of him as kind of like a coach's dream. That he, The way Bill Belichick spoke about him a few years ago inspired me to write an article called the, uh, Belichick's Opponent Mount Rushmore, of all of his favorite opponents. And Witten, like...
3: Ed Reed's got to be on there.
4: He does everything, in addition to putting up stats that tight ends do, he does everything you don't see that coaches love. And I think that's what I'll remember about him, that, that he was the
1: complete football player. Yeah, the person that he was jumps out and is always going to be what I remember is because you put him in another franchise in a different period. This is a, a period of Cowboys, like, not success, right? right? Like the the playoff moments that we remember are all losses for the Dallas Cowboys, and those were all... He
3: never played in a championship yeah. game, right? Yeah. That, in a conference that, championship wow. game, rather.
1: And so we're still going to remember Jason Witten 20, 15 years from now, and that's considering that they didn't go to a Super Bowl. They didn't do all of these things, but we remember him because of the impact that he had on other people and the way that they talked about him.
3: And, and that he was always, he was almost never the best tight end in the league, although he did get two first-team All-Pros, which I was actually mm. surprised to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, in those particular years because you really think it was kind of Gonzalez, and then it was Gates Antonio for, Gates, yeah. and it was Gronk, and even Jimmy Graham in there. And Witten was always really strong, a great blocker. Uh he did make two first team All-Pros, two second teams. Uh, but always kind of like that second third, maybe not quite the guy you're going to take, you know, right away in your fantasy draft uh compared to the other tight ends, but like an incredibly consistent. I mean, G- Jason Garrett watching the press conference, what what stuck out was just how emotional the Jones family <laughs> yeah. was. I mean, really? it was I like losing it. Yeah. it was like losing a son. Uh and Jason Garrett was extremely emotional and you can just tell how much they love J- Jason, and part of it.
2: So he's a Garrett guy.
3: He is definitely a Garrett. guy. <laughs> yeah. I think he is the definition of Garrett. And guy. I think yeah. and I
1: think Dez would second that he
4: is right. a Garrett guy. Cool. I walked into the huddle, our commissary, while this presser was going on, and it just it really hit home. Like it, it's totally natural to be watching this in that one place on Earth, inside the huddle of NFL Network, and really nowhere else in in the country or on Earth is it natural to watch, like. <laughs> that much attention lavished on a football player for calling it a career.
3: Well, the Cowboys did it like I've never seen a retirement ceremony done. The production value of him walking into the building <laughs> and all, everyone it's is like surrounding. The yeah. and there was coaches, players, <laughs> fans. There was a 30-minute long procession. Like There have been royal weddings with less,
4: <laughs> a 30 like, minute proce- less of a
3: procession and pomp and circumstance. We, I felt bad just thinking kind of behind the scenes. I, I felt bad for... Andrew Siciliano, our host, and Mike Garofolo Tom Palacero. Because they were just spinning plates for 30 minutes. They thought this thing was going to start, and instead it was just like Jason Witten walking down the aisle.
2: I mean, what about when there. Peyton had his <laughs> press conference um, from Denver? I know he hadn't been there for so long um, right. as he was in Indy, but still that kind of felt like it was forever. I mean, he was talking forever, I felt like.
1: Yeah, and it was – the second time, because honestly, Peyton yeah. Peyton leaving Indianapolis was his retirement speech to me.
3: Yeah, yes,
1: right? that was the one I remember. That, that was the emotional one that that's gonna stand out here. I, today, I'm thinking like, Tony Romo got a tweet, you know, <laughs> like, yes, there was a goodbye, uh, like a waving goodbye emoji to Dez, and then we've got, like you said, this royal wedding for Jason Witten. It just they it, really that's it,
2: love that. has got to feel it, awful. Like, Dez has <laughs> well, to feel awful. It's the
3: benefit of staying with one team for your whole franchise, which is hard to pull off, and you, you might even have, I don't know if you had to make sacrifices at some point, but that is, that's one of the benefits. I found it really interesting ESPN won't confirm that he's been hired, and my theory with this is Uh-oh. that there's going to be a third person in the booth, and that's not all. All the ducks aren't completely in a row to announce it. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I we, like that you have a theory yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I that's my guess. It just feels right that he's not going to be the only guy that it's going to be Witten and someone else and we'll find out. Maybe a Lewis Riddick. That's just a total oh. That's just a total I guess. I would like that. I think that yeah, would be a fun that's one. Interesting. But that's just my that's my guess.
2: I mean, it's it's just going to be so weird to I mean, you look and you see no Des Bryant, no Tony Romo, no Jason Witten. It's just strange to not have those three guys playing for the Cowboys anymore. And the timing was sort of weird with the draft and the way that the news all came out, and then they didn't end up getting a tight end. And funny. I don't think he
3: expected to get the job, and then he got the job, and he was like, okay, I'm going to have to take this, the Monday Night Football job.
2: Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, something to watch, something to listen to this coming season with Jason Witten in the
3: booth. He could be going up against Antonio Gates in the Hall of Fame voting Ooh. in five years, and I would vote Gates there, if you know. if you can't get them both in right away. But they'll both get in eventually. I love
2: Antonio Gates. He'd get my vote, too. All right, so we have some spicy kickoff talk, too, everybody. Brace Ah, yourselves for kickoff changes coming to a game near you. So some rule changes were proposed yesterday. Uh, They're going to be voted on later this month at the Spring League meetings. But, Claybon, you're really into this. I
1: I am really into this because I've always wanted kickoffs to be more fun. And, you know, my proposal didn't work out. Nobody... Cares about what I have to say. What's
4: my proposal?
1: Uh, make the kick going through the uprights on a kickoff a point.
3: Oh, home run! Explain it, it, the benefits.
1: It incentivizes the ball going out of play. Everybody doesn't have to run into each other, and um, yeah, that's it.
4: I I couldn't agree more. And when isn't there like yeah. a, an addendum to this? Didn't you have like a second part or
1: um? There, there were so many suggestions. I, I wasn't expecting people to like it as much. Then Wes said he liked it, and then everything. Oh yeah.
3: Oh no. I, I like it. I like it too. Cause the couple times that it happens during a season, it does happen sometimes, Gus. Kowski's. Right. I, I've seen him kick it through. That's one of the most exciting moments of the game, and there's no points even involved. Right, right. it's so fun. That was it's just true. for Exhibi- I, mean, I always like tell everyone around me whenever that happens. They're like, "No, we don't really care that you know the Chargers kicker just kicked Theoretically, it."
4: Theoretically, it would reduce the number of overtime games. I think that was the second part yep, of it. it so Ooh. that would mean fewer injuries or increased minutes in in that.
2: Clavon, I like this. Unfortunately, and that's not, so not going to happen. What are the, rules?
1: the rules are, which they could be added to my rule to make it better, <laughs> um, the receiving team has to have eight guys within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. So what they want to do is de- decrease the collisions. Also, the kicking team, the five-yard running start is gone. So you're lined up with the ball. You leave when the ball leaves. It's like a punt. Yep. And the two-man wedge, which was reduced to two men to make it less violent, um, is now dead as well. So no wedging. Uh, Rich McKay said there have been 71 concussions in the last three years on kickoffs. Wow. And a third of those involved the wedge in some capacity. So that's gone, and no more running starts. No more legions of collisions.
3: Now I have some thoughts, hearing you lay it all out like that. when they When they decided to change the kickoff rules last time around, moving the thing forward... I said, like, isn't that going to just create a scenario where they're popping up more yeah. kicks, which is basically what's what happened. happened. Yeah. You mentioned the concussions have still kind of been through the roof. And a lot of these changes, to me, does incentivize you to return your kicks more if you get the ball with a chance to do right. it because the the running start, there's it's there's – Right, I mean, isn't gonna. It's it's almost encouraging you to return the kicks more unless the the ball is just yeah. And, and unless until we totally
1: provide some incentive for a team to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone or out of bounds, the the ball's still going to be in play. But I think what Troy Vincent and them wanted to do was eliminate the collisions no matter what. Yeah. So if somebody's lined up at the five yard line and they're going to get a running start to block somebody that's lined up at the thirty mm-hmm. with a running start. I mean, we could go in the next gen stats and look at the the speeds these guys are getting, you know, versus the speeds they're getting on punts. It's uh, that that five yards makes a huge difference.
4: I'm in favor of anything that keeps special teams in the game because I don't all these people who cry about the physicality being taken out of football don't understand that the kickoff is either gone. Or it's tweaked a little bit, but eventually it's going to be gone. Right. I mean, you're fighting an uphill battle if, if you think that they're going to keep special teams that important for that long.
3: And, the, and that whole idea of you have to keep eight people near the line of scrimmage, that kind of incentivizes going for – Creative types of onside kicks too, where you kick it over the first wave of yeah. the people and, and try yeah. to get it into the second wave. I think we'll see more of those kind of the grounders, and I love those plays. So. And Which, you take fun. the
2: bigger linemen off the field in that instance too, fun. and you probably have like the the smaller, faster guys. Right,
1: because you can't if they can't keep up, then they're not going to be involved in the play. I I, I like changes like changes yeah. like this or because it's kickoffs. Change it's worth a good. shot.
3: It's worth a shot.
2: Yeah, I don't know, Clavon. I like your rule change. Yeah. Letter. So I think that you should write a letter to the league
1: to Roger or to
3: Roger.
2: Just they raise
3: the goalposts. You know, if, if they can do that, they feel like they can do anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just why not make the goalposts comically high? Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have them peeking out of the top of the (laughs) stadium. That's what I want. Airplane goes down, (laughs) hits goalpost.
2: All right, so that wraps up the
1: news
2: (laughs) for today. Let's get into Around the NFC. We have a lot to get to here. Um, So, Clayvon, you're kicking us off here with Arizona.
1: Love it. Um, My favorite thing about the Cardinals this offseason was a uh, quote from Steve Wilkes. Sight is totally different than vision. Sometimes you have to see past the difficulties. We had a plan. We had a vision. Ooh. It was huge on that, especially before I went to see Infinity War uh, this mm. past week, but um, they are able to get Josh Rosen. They trade up the five spots. One thing that jumped out to me and granted this is moving up five spots in the front part of the first round but they actually paid less to move up those five spots than Baltimore paid to really? come up yeah. and, and get Lamar Jackson. So they get uh, a guy that a lot of people feel like was the best quarterback in the draft at that spot. And they're going into this season where Sam Bradford is there, um, potentially healthy, a healthy Sam Bradford. If the stars align, my question to you guys, and Sam Bradford is healthy for this 2018 season, is, is that a waste if Josh Rosen doesn't play?
2: Hmm. hmm. I mean – maybe
1: like we're gonna
3: need a hotter take from you there I know
2: I I think that I'm worried about David Johnson I mean I think he's going to be great but he's coming off of the injury and I think that the because they moved up to get Rosen yeah they should play him and if you have Christian Kirk there and you have Larry Fitzgerald and Josh Rosen and David Johnson all of a sudden that sounds like a a good offense whereas before I was like yikes I don't even know about watching these guys (laughs)
3: I think it'd be a waste. You said if all the Ducks are in a row, everyone's kind of healthy and looking good. And so in this scenario, I'm assuming that Rosen is promising, plays well in the preseason, looks good in practice. And... Maybe Sam Bradford is the starter for a while, but if if Rosen is ready to go, he's the one that matters. He's going to be the starter next year. He's going to be the starter into the future. And so it would be a waste for an entire season of Sam Bradford. My guess is the Cardinals think it'll work itself out naturally, whether they're losing games with Bradford or someone's hurt, or maybe Rosen isn't
4: ready to play. A healthy Sam Bradford is a good quarterback. And, And I think that the NFL is different than other sports. I hate rebuilding. You don't have to rebuild in the NFL. The Cardinals certainly don't have to rebuild. And I think the best player should play. If that's Sam Bradford, he should open the season as the starter.
3: And he will. I think he will. I don't think there's much question if he's healthy and looks normal that he would open the season. In my mind, I guess it was an entire season of him. He would I have to play at a really happened. high level, and they'd have to be winning, I think. Right. And, and if he does that, then then that's how it goes. And I think one thing that
1: helps Steve Wilkes out is being a first-year coach. So it's not this Bolzian responsibility mm-hmm. to win now. he's not as concerned for his job security so he can put the best player on the field
2: I mean look Sam Bradford looked awesome last year to open the season with the Vikings and then all of a sudden it was all downhill for him so it's just a a question of him staying on the field which has always been the question of him for his entire career yeah
3: I mean it's going to be tough for Rosen to overcome like his you know affluent upbringing (laughs) Drew Brees and (laughs) Peyton Manning and Tom Brady (laughs) and Eli Manning and Probably Sam Bradford. I have no
4: idea. Like, they seem to be
3: okay.
2: You're right. You're right. All right, Wes, we got Atlanta up next.
4: All last season. Ooh, yeah, there we go. Wes. All throughout last season, we heard that the offense was a problem. Sark was an issue. Matt Ryan was ruining Dan Hanses' fantasy football team. <laughs> These are the things we heard as football fans throughout the season. Then you look at some of the metrics. Look behind the basic stats. The Falcons were second only to the Patriots in drive success rate and yards per drive. Didn't they add Calvin Ridley? Is this – should we be thinking of the Falcons as, as right there with the Saints as a team that could be the number one offense in the NFL? Number
3: one offense. In the NFL.
2: I think so. Calvin Ridley with Julio Jones, you just have these two Alabama guys chilling <laughs> together on their new offense and – Steve Sarkeesian, second year, maybe he gets, like, better footing under him, and he kind of realizes the mistakes he made last year as a play caller. I mean, the only guy that they really lost was Taylor Gabriel.
4: Yeah, don't forget that Kyle Shanahan didn't exactly – he wasn't exactly a smashing success in his first season with the Falcons either. Right. Everybody uh, was worried that Matt Ryan took a step back in his first season. The Falcons were, like, not as explosive. They
3: were a very – methodical kind of slow offense that did move the ball a lot and they were I think better to your point than people really realized a year ago the Falcons are kind of my team that I think has the best chance to win a Super Bowl that probably are going to have like the longest odds not that we get into that the most but like to me they are right at the top of the teams I think can win the Super Bowl this season there's probably four or five.
4: they might have also have the widest open window like, the most number of years they could remain Super Bowl content. I'm
3: not saying they're, like, better than the Rams or the Eagles or the Patriots or the Steelers, but I think they're kind of in that group. And for whatever reason, even though they've been in the mix two years in a row, I don't know if people think of them that
1: way. Yeah, They're not going to be worse in the red zone than they were last right. year. Mm-hmm. They're obviously going to improve there. I think that was a bit of an outlier. Some situational issues that just went awry. Um, so, yeah, to, to your point, Wes. are
4: one minute. minute.
1: In terms of between the twenties, they were good last year. In that area, they'll be better. Uh, don't quite know how Ridley fits in, but it can't. It's not going to hurt. Uh, Julio's still playing at, at, up to a high level. I think if he, uh, you know, if his helmet doesn't cover his face, they they might have been in the Super Bowl. But, that
4: that plays the snapshot of their whole season.
1: I know yeah.
3: when you
4: talk about the red zone
3: they're, troubles. They're, and they're down they have lock. an
1: opportunity. It doesn't work out right because I mean, of confluences. I
3: always think about that first. The first down play. Matt Ryan threw a hot, a ball where Julio was one on one and Ryan just didn't throw a very good ball and that you forget about it cuz it was the first round first down play. It's like if that is on the money, I think they mm-hmm. score there and it's on Nick Foles to go try to win a game winning uh, drive although you know the way Nick Foles is, he probably would have done it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so right. I mean, he was pretty that's unbelievable. Right, Greg. I don't know.
2: <laughs> but honestly, that division is only getting better too. So, I mean, the Panthers improved. We're going to talk about them. And I want to see if the their defense like,
3: that we saw late in the season keeps up. Because if yeah. it does, then they are absolutely <laughs> a Super
2: Ooh, Well, let's get into the Panthers because they're <laughs> next in alphabetical order. Ooh. And I have them. Okay, so for me, the Panthers free agency, it wasn't crazy or anything. They added Tory Smith and Don Terry Poe. But I thought their draft was awesome. Uh, drafting DJ Moore for me, they really needed to replace Steve Smith and – He kind of reminds me a little bit of Steve Smith. So hopefully they have Curtis Samuel to get right, and um, they added some pieces to the secondary. But what I want to know is where the Panthers sort of fall in the rankings of that division in the Mm -hmm. NFC South.
3: Well, I put the Falcons and the Saints just naturally as the top two because I trust their offenses more. Like, I trust – I just trust that. I think year to year, the passing attacks. I'm gonna take them. I mean, the 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 record that Ron Rivera has. I think five playoff teams in six years, speaks to that they that they shouldn't be forgotten. But I I don't trust them nearly as much.
1: I I trust the the Turner family to. <laughs> that's that's the, most of the coaching Yeah, staff. just the entire Turner family <laughs> to get <laughs> um, players in a position to get open. Um, and so we. D.J. Moore, in terms of Steve Smith, uh, Matt Harmon, who follows wide receivers, you know, closer than almost anybody in the world. Um, everybody feels great about the pick. I, I, I want to see Cam in an offense where just people are getting open, and yeah. he has a chance. Like non Greg Olson, people mm-hmm. are getting open, and he has a chance to get them the ball. Um, they were really hurting uh, with no Ted Ginn last year. I, I think they got better. Um, in terms of the South, I'm not really taking any of those teams over the other ones. I think they're going to be three really good teams. They're going to beat each other up, and it's going to come down down to the stretch. Uh, I don't feel like Tampa Bay belongs in that discussion Mm-mm. yet. So it's just, it's just going to be how the coin lands.
4: T- yeah, I, I have the Panthers
1: minute. a
4: tier below the Falcons and Saints because I think they have more questions they have to answer, starting with who's their power back. Certainly, it can't Cam. be Cameron Artis <laughs> right. Payne, and that's fair. He's great in short yardage situations, but I, you're going to need a power back in that offense. Christian McCaffrey is not running successfully between the tackles.
3: It, on paper, their defensive line after adding Poe is pretty strong. Like, but it didn't really play to that level last year. If you if Keekly's healthy, like they're supposed to be a defense first team. I definitely put him a tier below because the Saints beat him three times and they were pretty. I don't know if I would say they were all convincing, but they were—they were—they looked like the better team three times. And I guess since I went to two of those games, it's like that's in my head that like th- that they're going to be a tough team to stop.
2: And I think losing their left guard Andrew Norwell, I, I wonder how big of a part that will play in-, in how they do this year. Anyway, let's move on to Chicago. Oh,
3: I love that horn. <laughs> uh, we all seem to like uh, the Chicago Bears in this room. At least uh, Wes and I. I guess Colleen and. No, I'm Patrick into the Bears. Have not been in this room quite as often uh, this offseason. Like, good looking defense, nice continuity that they kept Vic Fangio. We like everything they added on offense. My question for the room is now, after adding Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson uh, and and everything Trey that they Burton. have Trey Burton, I knew I was forgetting someone. What are our expectations for Mitchell Trubisky? Because he's kind of been almost forgotten in all this. Like, what do we think? we get out of 2018 Mitchell Trubisky because it was only about a year ago that everyone was kind of clowning their pick of Trubisky.
1: This is not a player comp. I'm not making a straight-up player comp because most player comps are dumb. Uh, (laughs) Remember the reaction to peak Bortles hype? Like, Blake Bortles is ascending. He's becoming this other thing. I was part of that.
3: I was part of that, yeah.
2: Good job. We
1: all Things happen. Yeah. Um, I think we could see that from the way we react to Mitchell Trubisky after this season. I think people will say this is promise. This is something that can go forward. Who knows how long-term it can be, but I think he can have that that type of success. I'm
4: an unabashed Mitchell Trubisky fan. I didn't like how last season went for him, but he had nothing on offense. The offensive line wasn't good. The wide receivers were maybe the worst in the league. Um, the play calling left a lot to be desired. The way the head coach handled him left a lot to be desired. Um, but – at his best, I see some flashes of Brett Favre. And again, not a straight up comparison. That's I just see That's really I just see flashes out. of the way he moves, his improvisational skills. I am um, excited by this team and I do expect Mitchell Trubisky to have like a Jared Goff type okay. not not quite I'm like as i Like thinking about like
3: numbers. Like what what sort of number? Yeah, like a Jared
4: Goff type. He doesn't like, have that makes key. sense. We don't Minus. know what Nagy Minus. is Minus. yet, but he doesn't have Sean McVay who's to me, right there as the best offensive mind in football.
2: I think they're trying to be this year's Rams. The expectations are so high now because of all the moves they've made and because of all the players they've added around Trubisky. I think that if he delivers, that's great. But if he doesn't, then there's even more pressure on him because of all of the resources they've brought in for him.
3: I want to go back and watch kind of the end of his season because I think it, it it was under the radar. No one was watching the Bears anymore. And I think that he showed some signs in the last month that it, he looked better in the last three three games or so than he did really before that.
1: They moved him around in the pocket a lot early. They had him roll, throwing on bootlegs a lot, and I which think he's they, great at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really good at. And to your Favre comp, the release. Yeah. The, the more I think about it, it, it does kind of Ten, visually nine, uh, remind me eight, of that. But they opened seven, it up for him. There were some rookie six, mistakes. It's just a question nine, of, you know, how four, much of that was three, rookie and how much of two, that was him.
3: Right. One. Best thing they can do is just
4: be <laughs>
2: And that's a problem because pass rusher, I think, is still an issue. But hey, time's up, so we move on to Dallas, where we've talked to them, uh, talked about them a little bit so far. But does anybody ever call you Bon Bon?
1: Uh, it's it's happened a <laughs> couple times. There's a, there's wow. only so many variations.
2: Bon Bon, take away. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> Clayface was probably one of my favorite. Um. So Jason Witten is gone. Uh. Ed Werder's little shrine, the candle goes out. <laughs> Big American flag oh, no. drapes. Wow. Over. So that's that's oh, over. Werder uh, heat, love it. Uh, Connor Williams, they, they get the depth at tackle because last year we saw you know, Tyron Smith went out and everything just went to crap. Just the whole thing was just booty. So they get him. He was DJ's 17th overall player. Um, I think that's a huge value there. So they get better there. My question is, we saw Jason Garrett uh, emotional today. We know he's the Jerry Whisperer. That being said, what is the win total where we wonder if the whispers aren't to Jerry and they're from Jerry about Jason Garrett. What win total makes that conversation start?
3: Great question. I think I think eight and below gets, Really gets that question. I was yeah! going to say five or six. I think it's been a while. It's been a minute. And I think there are I, – I ask everyone – who wants you know who's into this sort of thing go watch all or nothing cowboys it's i've only, I haven't gotten all the way through it yet but it's the most compelling i think of of the all or nothings and i like the other ones and part of it is because after a certain moments jerry talks to jason garrett like like uh, an executive producer is talking to a you know pa on <laughs> you know, total axis really? or something. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you realize how much
4: Can of you it, unpack uh, that one for yeah. <laughs> Sorry. people who don't know what that is. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, if, I'm, no.
3: if I'm Jason Garrett, I don't I don't want some of these conversations where Jerry's not too happy about a blowout loss. G- what he says to Jason Garrett, I don't one want that in the
4: public. Minute.
2: Do you talk to anybody like that here at NFL Media?
3: I think I used to be like that at Roto World when people had bad uh,
4: really like bad posts. You're
2: leaving you like know. gum, it all and gum on, wrappers. It was all, all instant. It desk. was all
3: instant message.
4: Oh, I think I only got that side of Greg when I. Didn't show up for work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, But you look at their tight end position. I mean, now, yikes. I know they love Rico Gathers. I feel like he's been there for a while and nothing has really happened with him. But the pass catchers are Terrence Williams, Michael Gallup, who they just drafted, Cole Beasley. I know they brought in Alan Hearns, but this is a really different looking group.
4: Yeah, often when, when big names leave, people are shocked that the production stays relatively si- similar. I think in this case, they're going to end up missing what's Ten, gone. because nine, of all, None eight, of the guys eight, they have are seven, taking double teams. Six, they're not even attracting double five, teams,
1: much less beating. Four,
2: yeah, and if three, they start uh, two, like with one. a lot of losses, I
4: feel like Jason Garrett, those
1: whispers what you are going to be you more like yells. I, I think it's six. If,
4: if okay. it's six, it's a wrap, right? I mean, As in, you guys- every time – the subject has come up. Jerry has said, I've got so much invested in him. Yes. But at- oh. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's go to Detroit, Wes. The offense <laughs> comes back, and it's almost identical. They switch centers, and then they bring in a couple of running backs in LeGarrette Blunt and Carrion. I'm just going to call him carry on because I love that name. Yeah, it's good. Um, is this the year that the Lions finally – have a running game. Hmm.
2: Yes, I think so. I feel like they invested <laughs> so much in the run game just on during the draft here. Frank Ragnell and Carryon Johnson drafting those two. Plus, you bring in Legarrette Blunt. I mean, Amir Abdullah. I feel like that experiment is over at this point. Just see, I don't.
4: Moves. Like to me, Carryon Johnson is just the new Amir Abdullah. Like he's just a shinier, newer. Amir Abdullah might very well be a better player than carry on. Jungle.
3: We'll find out. I mean, I think he's more of an inside guy that they think can be outside. They also have blunt. But you're right. You have to be right on the pick. Everyone at this time of year always thinks like, okay, we're just going to slide in that second round pick. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, they're not all going to work out.
1: Another running back from the state of Alabama, uh, by the way. But it's um, Jim Bob, right? Jim yes. Bob stays in place.
3: Cooter. He's been there. Yeah. He's been there.
1: They they weren't running the ball with Jim Bob before.
3: It's fair. I,
1: I, I just don't know how much has changed that's going to make me believe that now, you know, you sub in, which Amir's problem was staying on the field. Right. So you get carry on. If carry on can be on the field, if uh, we know LeGarrett can, can stay in play, but are, the, the, the means to which they're going to try to run the ball, I don't know how much they're going to change, right? they're a top 10 offense if they have a running game.
3: It's it's the line and they do get Taylor Decker back healthy. He missed, you know, big chunk of the season. You get a, another first round pick mm-hmm. uh on the offensive line. People loved their fifth round pick. I don't know if they're right or not. Tyrell Crosby. Like this is Bob Quinn, who's now been there. This, their GM's been there for three years. Like He's put so much into their offensive line, TJ Lang, Ricky Wagner, that it's on it's on them, and I, on paper, they should be able to do it.
2: I think that was their focus going into the draft, just based on their choices. I think they wanted to address the offensive line and the running game because those were the two biggest weaknesses on the offense. And for me, it's almost like the defense is more of a question mark because Please, the, minus the pass minus rushers. Minutes. I mean, Ziggy Ansah is the only consistent pass rusher they have.
4: Yeah, they have a good secondary, but outside of that, the front seven leaves a lot to be desired. I I do think that they could have a top 10 offense. This could be a more fun team to watch this year. And what's
3: Matt Patricia going to be like as a head coach? Like, I love his press conferences. I love his, like, M.O. now suddenly. Like, I'm feeling the Matt yeah. Patricia air. It's
1: all fun
2: right now. You're drinking the juice? Well, <laughs>
4: he's just, like, a totally different person than I expected. Yeah, it's, it's like the substitute teacher's running the class now. You know, he, he's outside of <laughs> – he's not, he's not under Belichick's
1: thumb anymore.
2: He's got a personality. Yeah. He's yeah. wearing fun shirts. Yeah,
1: Which, like, didn't he – he had a personality before, right? We just
2: – We're not allowed to see that stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh,
1: those
4: guys, so, co- assistant coaches aren't allowed to talk to the press.
1: But, like – all he could do the most he could show us was a pencil
0: right
4: and we were we could, like oh my god and a, and a long shaggy beard <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> alright well let's stay in the division and go to Green Bay obviously getting Aaron Rodgers back is huge uh, it's gonna be a little weird to see him without Jordy Nelson there but I like what Brian Gutekunst did uh, now that he's Uti. running the show Uti. yeah, they were actually participating in free agency this year which was cool they brought in Jimmy Graham and Mo Wilkerson and I think for Green Bay, like just the way that they have gone after cornerbacks uh, the last few years, they drafted Kevin King last year in the first round, and then this year they picked. The, they drafted Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. That's one of their their biggest things that they need to address. But the pass rushing situation here, I want to know how Mike Pettin is going to generate a pass rush there in Green Bay.
4: What did they used to call it? kitties? <laughs> what? That's a, that's a Mike Pettinism. That's what he it calls is? he calls pass rushers b- kitties. Why? I that I don't know. Mark Mark wrote about it a couple of years ago, but yeah, yeah, that's I think that was in Collision Low Crossers.
3: It was. Yeah. yeah. About the uh the old Jets team with Pettin. Pettin, to me was one of the biggest signings of the offseason and maybe we'll prove to be Absolutely. wrong, but I think he's a, a really good coordinator. And not only that, I think you want to be the guy who's replacing Dom Capers. It's like you don't want to be the guy who's replacing Mike Francesa or whatever in New York, like, <laughs> on the air. You want to be the guy replacing Dom Capers. I think whoever's in there, it, people are going to be excited about
4: him. I think, yeah, half of Green Bay would have kidnapped Dom Capers eventually <laughs> and just <laughs> sent him outside of
1: state borders. His name would trend every <laughs> touchdown.
2: That's actually where Mark Sessler is right now.
1: <laughs>
3: you, you ask about the pass rush. You know, Nick Perry, I thought that was a big need for them, and they didn't have it last year. Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, I mean, there are definitely teams with – with worse outside rushers
4: Perry was I'm, Perry was injured most of last year and just never I was disappointed in the pass, last, pass rush last year it just disappeared and you think on paper that Matthews and Perry should do it and the guys behind them the Kyro, Kyler Fackrells and Vince Beagles and
3: yeah, all these guys aren't, guys aren't
4: getting it done Mo Wilkerson T is an x-factor
3: if they get because he's not that old like if they get Eighty percent of old Muhammad Wilkerson that that would be huge. I am looking at this team. I mean, they got to be up in that tier of teams that can win the Super Bowl absolutely too. Like Aaron Rodgers is due for a season where he just shreds the rest of the earth.
1: One thing that that will help the pass rush is when the coverage gets a little bit better. Yeah, it, it, and we saw them improve that in the draft. I, I was shocked that Josh Jackson lasted uh, to, to pick forty five. I like their I like their secondary now.
2: It's a, it's not nearly as bad as it was before. I mean, that was it was so hard to watch. When
1: they had a, a safety playing corner? Oh who, my God. Who Didn't want to play corner and then afterwards they admitted that he shouldn't play <laughs> corner. No, but yeah, they
3: in you know, two seasons ago, they they had a team that could have gone to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for the secondary. I mean, they took out a one seed on the road despite that secondary and then they basically just got dog walked in. It.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, Greg, while you're talking here, let's. Why don't you continue talking? Just about am gonna go. A, All right, we're early. Super Bowl early. favorite, probably. Who they were last year?
3: The Philadelphia Eagles. No,
2: the Rams. Right? Oh, Aren't the they Los next? Los
3: Angeles Rams. Okay, I'm bad with the whole alphabet. <laughs> Los Angeles Rams. They're not the Super Bowl favorites when you got the Eagles in the conference, right? But I look at everything that is going on in their team, and it's hard to find like a huge weakness. To it, this is very similar to what I was thinking about Chicago. But I, after seeing what they added on offense, uh, in terms of Brandon Cooks, but for the most part, the rest of the offense is just back. Like, what are we expecting out of Jared Goff this year? Do we think Jared Goff can avoid kind of the next year uh, malaise that took down Derek Carr a little bit, took down Dak Prescott? They had their breakout years. I think it's hard to sometimes do the follow up to that.
4: I have trouble answering that question because I haven't figured out just how valuable Sean McVay is yet. Mm. And just how valuable it is what Sean McVay is doing in Jared Goff's helmet for those first 30 seconds he's allowed to speak to Jared Goff, dissect the way the defense is set up, and then tell him which play to run and which player to target. That seems like a huge, huge competitive advantage to me. And I think that explains Jared Goff's season last year. I just don't know if there's any way defenses can catch up to that and thwart it or not. But I think Jared Goff is a perfectly fine quarterback. I don't think he's as good as his numbers were last year.
3: He's also twenty three years old. I believe he is wow. Baker Mayfield's age. So I think that should be that's part of why I I'm I'm asking this question because I don't know. Like I just don't know what to think about him yet, and that's fine. He's he's a, he's twenty three year old player.
1: Jared Goff is the reason that I don't I, I didn't really lean too hard on a Mitch Trubisky evaluation because it's just from the difference from twenty one year old Jared Goff to twenty two year old Jared Goff was so vast, so insane how how much of it was, as Wes said, how much of that is a new coach. How much of that was Jeff Fisher and everything involved with that. I um I, I think Jared Goff is gonna D- have a solid minute. season. To say he's gonna have the season he had a year ago, I, I don't necessarily think that's gonna happen.
2: I feel like it wasn't just a fluke like he it's not like he just flashed last year. Jared Goff played really well consistently throughout the entire season. And with what they did, um, they added some depth to the offensive line, so that helped. That was
3: kind of their one big weakness is they were very thin on the OL, and right. Right, they drafted.
2: Yeah, because you look at the ages on that offensive line. Andrew Whitworth, he's got, like when the season starts, he's going to be 36. Roger Saffold's going to be 30. John Sullivan's going to be 32. I mean, it's not a young line. And I think a lot of that – a lot of, the, at least last year, bringing in Whitworth, that was one of the things that really helped Jared Goff take that next step. And so I think drafting that depth is really important for them, just in case something were to happen.
1: And I don't think the offense needs to be as good as it was last year. I think that's
3: part of the hope. You're right. That that the defense can carry more, and they're not going to have to be as a- Ten, I also wonder if Les Snead purposefully seven, is trying to, like, moneyball the draft nine, by getting 10 four, day three yep. picks. Maybe that's two, a new They're so cheap to get. He drafted 10 guys in day three.
2: So the Rams, Super Bowl favorites, so the Eagles can remain underdogs forever. Okay. Uh, Let's go to Minneapolis, Claybon.
1: All right, so it's all Kirk all the time, right? The team is better on offense. In the first five rounds, the only guy they took on defense was uh, Holmes out of Ohio State. They feel good enough that they take Daniel Carlson, a kicker who would be perfect for my kickoff system, in the fifth round. Yes. Um, everything's in place, and that's why Kirk went there in the first place, just like when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. My question, are you more confident or as confident in the Vikings' success with Kirk Cousins as you were with the Broncos and Peyton Manning when mm. he went there?
3: No, I wouldn't put it anywhere close because uh, because ultimately, I know the Vikings' defense is is great, but I don't trust it to be difference-making great. In fact, it got, you know, crushed in the playoffs last year. And when you're comparing Kirk Cousins even to to Peyton Manning at the latter stages of his career, I don't think there's any comparison.
4: I feel like when Peyton Manning went to Denver, we were all warned by the right people, medical people, coaches, analysts, that Peyton Manning might never be the same quarterback. It's true. But none of us believed it. We all believed he was still going to be Peyton Manning, and and Peyton Manning's always going to have much higher expectations than Kirk Cousins. So, no, I, I, as great as the Vikings are with surrounding talent, offense and defense, I don't have hopes that are as high as, as the Broncos with Peyton Manning. What if we
1: just grade the surrounding talent? Okay. Ooh. As far as the choice that the quarterback made to go to that team.
2: I feel like the expectations were still higher with Peyton Manning because Each- it was Peyton Manning. You just look at those two names, too. I mean, but in terms of the surrounding talent, like, Greg, you said that – the defense got crushed in the playoffs, but it was really only the game against the Eagles, I feel like, that that Vikings defense Gave up kind a big of collapsed.
3: Lead. Gave up a big lead to the Saints in the fourth quarter. That would have been the lasting memory true that, that we had if not for the Minnesota Miracle. I just trust the offense more. But they have Dalvin Cook. He chose well. They have Dalvin yeah. Cook, they have Stefan Diggs, they have Adam Thielen. It's an amazing Key looking offense.
1: Is it minute. is it is the worry Foles based? Because if it's Drew Brees making a fourth quarter run that <laughs> ends your it's like, Oh, okay, you know, Brees has got us. Yeah. But does the fact that it was Nick Foles, does that impact how you feel about Minnesota a little bit?
3: No, it's more that the NFC is so loaded and we could be wrong, but it's just on on paper. I can't remember a conference having so many teams that looked so good going into a season. There's like six or seven of them.
4: Is there something about Mike Zimmer's defense that makes you think they're more susceptible to really good teams? And that's why they got exposed in the second half versus the Saints and and against the Eagles. I also think, or is that just coaching? I also yeah. think of the 2016 season when we thought they were gonna be like you know the purple people
3: eaters, and they were just like fine. They weren't that good. <laughs> well, they defense. started. All the same they started players.
4: out on fire, and then their back broke when yeah. they had to carry too much of the load for the offense. But, yeah, I think it's so
3: hard for a defense to be special week after week in this league. It's just geared towards offenses.
2: Yeah, well, that's what we saw with Minnesota. On the other side of that Minnesota miracle, you had New Orleans, Wes.
4: I'm in the middle of this uh, project where I'm ranking the top ten offenses in the NFL. I will brag. (laughs) I mean, it's an assignment. (laughs) You're working. I I have a job. I didn't have much of a choice.
2: God Wes.
4: So I'm going through Ooh, position by position, and I really look at me. Not not as much this off season. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going through the Saints, and I'm looking at their quarterback, backfield, receiving core, offensive line. There's no weakness. What is the weakness with the Saints' offense? Because I they're as good as any group in the NFL at just about every position. They have the best backfield. Their quarterback is top three or four. The offensive line might be the best. Hmm. The receiving core, you add Cameron Meredith and Ben Watson to what they had. To me, I guess the receiving core, I gave them a B B+, maybe an A-, minus. but everywhere else, they're a straight A.
2: That's the only spot I would say, like maybe the tight end position. Right. But, yeah, they're so stacked. They're so solid. They
4: have to be the favorites to be the top offense in the NFL this year.
1: The only weakness I see is the division. Yeah. In terms of – I mean, you put them in the AFC East, it's like, oh, well, there's your automatic Super Bowl favorite, but things, things change oh, a little you. bit.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right. Sorry, say, say it one more
1: time. <laughs> you put them in the AFC East and it's like, Oh God, right, this is so easy. Cause they were a top <laughs> two or
3: three offense so often job, bon when bon bon. they weren't even winning that many games. Like it's not like their offense really dipped much in the years that they weren't making the playoffs. Michael Thomas kind of deserves to be mentioned now in that upper echelon oh, yeah. of top seven or eight wide receiver. So even that position's loaded, I guess the only concern, but it's, it, their only concerns are on defense, you're right.
2: Man, I was so shocked when they traded up for Marcus Davenport. I thought for sure they were going to get Lamar Jackson T-minus or just a quarterback minute. in general. That's that's a lot to give up for him, but I kind of like it across from Cam Jordan. Plus you have Alex Okafor coming off that Achilles injury, but Cam Jordan had such a year last year. It, it was he was so good and that should make him even better.
4: And they bring in Kirk Coleman, Patrick Robinson, DeMario Davis. They brought in some guys. I don't know why it is, but for some reason I just don't quite trust the Saints defense.
3: Well, because they were the worst they were, you know, the worst defense on the league in on balance in over a 5-year stretch until they have, last.
4: They have you know. new personnel now and yep. they did pretty well last year. I just there's something about them. I just I always consider them sort of like the the Falcons used to be where there's no backbone there.
1: That's, on on uh, up to the minute we did Charlie Cassell's breakdown of you know keys to the game, and every single week the key <laughs> for the opposing team was stop Cam Jordan like that was right. and, <laughs> and team after team, week after week, they couldn't do it. So Nine. he's finally got some help. You know, considering the capital Six. they invested in Marcus Five. Davenport, Four. if that works out.
3: Three. Yeah, the secondary is awesome. One. It's loaded. Lattimore.
2: <laughs> All right, one team that who knows what they're going to be like this year, the Giants. For me, Dave Gettleman, he made some moves for them. They finally addressed the offensive line. They signed Nate Solder. They drafted Will Hernandez in the interior there. And, of course, they got probably the best player in the entire draft was Saquon Barkley. Like he, he, You have Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. coming back. This is... Loaded. I mean, I don't like it for the Eagles. They're going to have to defend that twice a year. But they have a new coaching staff there. They added Alec Ogletree. I mean, they did a lot here. So, will the Giants have the biggest turnaround from last year to this year? Will they be mm. this year's L.A. Rams? No. Wow. Or last year's L.A. Rams. Is that how I say it? Wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the Browns are going to improve so much after not winning a single football game that it's going to be tough for them new- to – to make the biggest mm. jump, but I, I do think you know it can be comparable uh, to what the Rams did,
3: right? Because if you get to ten wins, that's a seven-win jump. Yep. And I I love the upgrade. Everything you said made a lot of sense. I love Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. Like those are two guys I think you can absolutely build around, especially when they're going to be role players in this offense. You upgraded your offensive mind, I think, a lot with Shermer over McAdoo, and I think you upgraded your defense. Uh, of side of the ball in terms of the coach with James Betcher, we I don't even want to bring up Eli Manning's name on this podcast at some point, but he's <laughs> kind of the question. Like, is he going to hold them back? Because if, cause if he's not holding them back, you're right they they should be a candidate to do that. That's There's, what this is about: is making the playoffs this year. They right. they they are expecting to, I believe.
4: There is a chance. I don't know what the percentage is. If Odell Beckham comes back and is what he was, that they have the most dynamic running back and wide receiver. Combo and in the I guess Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown is hard to beat, but but as far as pure dynamic athleticism, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, you don't see combinations like that. And what it's going to do for Eli, even if even on the downside of his career, it wouldn't surprise me if Eli has some life breathed into his career, yeah. And and I'm not like Shepard and Ingram
3: to me could be almost a one-two in another city that wasn't – it wasn't like a city that, that you don't want them to be your one-two. But Ingram, he was so impressive to me. I think he could have been a rookie of the year type of guy. And Shepard is like the the custom-made sort of number two, three slot type of guy. Like to have them, you're right. I mean it should help – like it almost feels like a like it can't miss offense.
1: And I think a lot of the, the Gettleman criticism was on the downslope from the, from the numbers folks – who you know he he rankled them a bit taking taking shots at the criticism of taking a running back <laughs> at, at number 2 but as as Wes has said for the past couple of years you, you got to have a you got to have a plan after Eli and so you, you got to look longer if they don't make the playoffs this year then absolutely it was a mistake <laughs>
2: It's going to be so weird to see the Giants with a running game. Like, I remember last year just seeing Orleans Darkwa run well, like, one game oh, for come them on. was like, whoa. Two
1: lanes, to dark. Orleans. I mean, you got to go back to Tiki, right? When it was last relevant. Yeah, yeah probably. Like the 07- oh seven.
3: 7 oh, sorry. We just, just love talking about the Giants. Let's go to Let's the talk Philadelphia, about
2: Philadelphia
3: Eagles. And they weren't a team that was overly active on draft weekend. They trade up to get uh, Dallas Goddard, who – it has got to help them out in terms of a backup tight end. But you know you're in good shape when you're, like, moving up for a backup tight end on (laughs) draft weekend. And you just kind of look at their two-deep depth chart. And my question for everyone here is just where is their weakness? Like, if if anything goes wrong for the Eagles, like, what's the weakness? Because this team, on paper to me, is – is about as loaded as you'd want to be. There's no more bigger flex for a GM or a franchise than winning a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, and that's just what they did.
2: That, I think, could be the biggest weakness if Carson Wentz is not ready for the start of the season. That, for me, is the only thing that I'm kind of worrying about. But Hmm. they have Nick Foles there. Like not
3: ready not playing (laughs) playing or not ready like not himself?
4: Right, no, not, like not, not himself.
3: Yeah,
2: not 100% him, back to where he was. I mean, he said that he's not going to change his playing style. He's still going to do the things that he did before. But I just don't – I wonder how he's going to look out there.
4: Right, not just an ACL, but also an LCL tear. Not your typical, you know, clean ACL tear. So it wouldn't surprise me, like Colleen said, if, if he's out there because he says he can play and because the medical team deems he's ready, but his confidence isn't the same and he's not playing at the same level.
1: And, and physically, Honestly, it he's not going to be the same for quite some time. This is a substantially sized human being who's big and fast and just looking at the play where he scores a touchdown and tears his ACL, I mean that's that's the type of athlete that he is. So it's gonna take a while to be back. My pick for their biggest weakness is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I think when we consider the play calling and how big that was down the stretch and how they were able to dismantle uh the Vikings go in and win the Super Bowl against New England I think when you lose a brain that was a part of that process I think it's got to hurt also T-
4: oh, the guy in the same room minute. with him in those game planning meetings the quarterback coach John D is in Minnesota now also, too
2: yeah that coaching staff's really different now
4: and they were they were the most impressive coaching staff in the league last year so you lose two of those really important guys
3: Peterson got an option, a pricey option, and his contract picked up Thursday. How about that for a little breaking Ooh. news while we're on here? But if you guys are basically saying, like, Carson Wentz might not quite be an MVP candidate and you know, they lost a couple of coaches but not the head coach who's an offensive guy, it's like, you know, if that's not your that biggest bad. weakness, that's not that bad. You're probably- well, I mean,
4: they were the Super Bowl champions. Then they went out and got Michael Bennett for nothing, signed Haloti Nada, Stole Dallas Goddard away from Dallas. Yeah. And then signed Mike Wallace as an upgrade over Torrey Smith. Yeah, they're they're improved. And, you, and they're hoping Sidney Jones. I guess if, if I was going to pick a weakness,
3: cornerback maybe could be five, one. But they five, are thinking Sydney Jones, eight, who was their second-round pick seven, a year ago and six, wasn't able to play, is going to come and be a four, big difference. Three,
2: yeah, I was a little worried two, about the tight end position, one. just losing Trey Burton and Brent <laughs> Sellers retiring. But Dallas Goddard's there. Super Bowl
3: are your total disappointment. Looking good. Super Bowl or bust?
2: That's right, San Francisco. All
1: right, so they're able to get Mike McGlinchey in the first round. Um, it, it's kind of a part of this protect Jimmy at all costs initiative. Goes with uh, Weston Richburg. Um, they're able to get Dante Pettis, who can flat out fly, mm-hmm. out of Washington. So more uh, Shanahanigans there. Um, my question: quarterback and coach pairings across the league. Is there anybody that you're taking over Jimmy and Kyle? projecting out the next five years
3: oh okay five years
2: Ooh. this requires thinking sorry
3: <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really yeah. good question i like this question this, this should You're be too get, good yeah can you just write this because if not we'll just take this this is so a, the ar- best is a good off-season, off-season article
4: the best offensive minds kyle shanahan sean mcveigh josh mcdaniels sean payton Andy Reid. That would be the top five off the top of my head.
1: Reed Mahomes sneaky sneaky good, but we we don't you know, we haven't seen Pat except that one game, which, as Greg has pointed out, has been spectacular.
3: about you know, Belichick
4: Brady, obviously you can't just ignore it I but you have to put Peterson be and, the whole time. and I mean, in there too. Brady is I've said this jokingly, he's literally in his prime. The guy just won the MVP. After and finishing and, second in the MVP race the year before that. And threw five hundred yards in the Super
3: Bowl. Yeah. That's at I'm going to take Aaron just out of out of loyalty and principle. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers and whoever. And I don't right, and I don't you, like his coach. cuz you
4: can't stand McCarthy. You've been yeah. trying to get him
3: fired. <laughs> I know, but wow. I I'm I as much as I am excited to watch Jimmy Garoppolo and I have a uh, total faith in Kyle Shanahan, like I think it's yeah, fair to just say Aaron Rodgers no, has been minute. the best quarterback I've ever seen just about and I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo play more before I give him a nod over him. So, yes,
4: I'll take that. You guys are really missing out on Brian Schottenheimer here. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer, Russell Wilson, yeah. Andrew Luck, Frank Reich. Yeah, that's that's I a, mean, if that's Andrew- an underdog.
3: I kind of like taking the odds on that because no one's thinking about that right Matt
4: now. Matt Lafleur and Marcus Mariota.
1: Oh. We'll have to we'll have Matt
2: to make Nagy these picks. Matt Nagy and Trubisky. Well, we're if straight. we're gonna if we're <laughs> gonna go to luck there,
3: yeah. Jameis and Dirk Cutter. Uh. No.
2: <laughs>
4: <Nah>. <laughs> oh,
1: no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> At Ryan and Sarkeesian? Wow, you really thrown us for a loop. I, oh. I
4: think you might be right on that one.
2: This is yeah. a fun question, though. I, I it really is. Like this we're, we're spinning,
4: I, trying to
1: come up with it. I, I should have extended it out more to, to leave Rogers out, honestly. I should have gone, okay. gone 10 years.
2: That's. This is something I feel like we need to unpack more. Maybe
1: I think
3: our struggle there. with it, ultimately, I'm going to have to give it to you. I think they're probably going to. Yeah, yeah you
4: a can't, great one. You can't have a ten-year question on anything in the NFL.
2: <laughs> no, it's true, Wes. You already mentioned Brian Schottenheimer. Let's get into Seattle. Oh, yeah.
4: I wasn't even planning to bring up Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> but you
2: did it anyway.
4: My question with the Seahawks is: Great, they got Rashad Penny. That <laughs> that gives them a running back. What did you do to fix your offensive line that had people throughout the season constantly quoting what percentage of Seattle's offense Russell Wilson was doing on his own? It was always between 82 and 90%. Russell Wilson was the offense. Why should we believe that anything is fixed on their offensive line?
3: I believe here's what I think their answer would be. They fired Tom Cable. That's they, also
1: my answer. They changed
3: their offensive coordinator and that their coaching staff is going to coach Russell Wilson too and the line in a way that will improve that situation because that's their that's their plan.
4: You're gonna coach that out of Russell Wilson. the Somewhat, because way he
3: plays football. Not the entire way, but I think last season, even more than other seasons, he was a bigger part of the problem. And I don't think Wait, that's a he crazy. Was, really, everybody crazy has
4: him problem. as top five MVP guy through week twelve or something.
3: I, I think he was a bigger part of the problem last year. But,
4: but then the offense just
3: in term, line?
1: just in terms of the, just he talking fell about into the protect, pr- because of, protection of the it. protection. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just in terms of protecting himself. Yeah. In yeah.
3: terms of walking into some of that some of the the issues maybe he got just so used to it over time but I really I'm kind of joking about the Tom Gable thing but I really think that is their answer
2: yeah I, the only thing they did was really add DJ Fluker in free so, agency I and mean, they didn't draft anybody until the fifth round
4: sometimes teams don't have answers <laughs> <laughs> I mean look what, look what the Bengals went into last season with as their offensive that's, line they just threw up their hands and said point. we got no alternatives we just don't have an answer." This is what we're rolling out. That's what's going to happen.
1: But it seemed like intent on Seattle's part, where it's like, all right, well, we got we got Tom Cable, we got these guys. You know, George Fant, he, he's, he's an athlete. You know, Warm, we can make it minute. work. And then it just it didn't work. It was an abject failure. And so you you'd think the idea would be, well, let's figure out what went wrong there, and let's rectify it. But I don't feel like that's happened.
3: Well, they no. gave up a lot to get Dwayne Brown, who played very well for them. So that is a huge difference. So that's part of what they did. They happened to do that in October or November. But that's... They a- were worse... As an offensive line, they were as bad down the stretch. Look at that Rams game. He played really well. And the one thing people are always like, well, they got to invest more in the offensive line. That's not been the the problem. They have a second round pick at left guard, second round pick at center, a first round pick at right tackle, uh, uh, some third round pick on the bench. They've invested about as much as any team. Yes.
2: Uh, This is a team that has major, major questions on both sides of the ball. That, That offensive line, the running game, and then we don't even know if Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor are going to play next season. That entire Six. secondary, like I mean, <laughs> Four, who, who knows three, what this team is going to two, look like? Plus the that offensive coordinator and defensive <laughs> coordinator additions, I just don't know.
4: Yeah. I kind of forgot about the Averill Chancellor thing Yeah, hanging out. But I'm not doubting any team with Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. Mm.
2: True. Let's go to Tampa.
4: And Earl Thomas.
2: Tampa Bay. All right, so they worked on their offensive line and defensive line in the offseason. But for me... The defense in general was a complete tragedy last year. It was so awful. Like, they were dead last in DVOA and yards per play and sacks. I mean, in almost every category, they were in the bottom of the league. And on offense, you saw Jameis Winston and and the Deshaun Jackson connection that was so highly touted, and everybody had such high expectations for it. It really never panned out. But I want to know, on that defense, have they done enough to improve it in general? Because yes, the, I mean that—that that killed them last year.
4: Yes, I think when I look at the state their roster was in in December and the state it's in now, it might be the most improved in the NFL. Ooh. that front seven is almost as loaded as the Eagles. It is incredible what they've done. They
2: have a couple Eagles on it now.
4: They bring in Vinnie Curry, Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea, Mitch Unrein, Bo Allen, and they already had Pro Bowlers in Gerald McCoy, Levante David. They have a good middle linebacker in Quan Alexander. They're loaded up front, and the secondary has question marks throughout it, but I, I do think that they've brought in the talent. A couple of second-round picks at cornerback this year, a fourth-round pick at safety, they've added some some young blood there.
1: And it shows with such a glaring need in the secondary how they feel about Vitavia as, as a player and what he can bring considering the depth that they already had mm-hmm. through free agency and having Gerald McCoy there. So I, it's obviously better. Um, is it enough to make me – Feel better about their chance in the South. No, I, I think it's the toughest division in football, but they're definitely better. Um, is Dirk Cutter is this is Dirk Cutter yeah. worthy of this roster? Yeah, that's, that's my
4: biggest that's question.
2: Great... Him and Jason Light, I, if they can't make the jump this year, mm. they're in
4: trouble. Their their offense was better than people think. If you look at the metrics, I was studying this yesterday. They were better than the Rams' offense in most categories. Really? Wow. They it, were a top ten offense in nearly every metric. P- it felt minus. it well, felt like a lot way. of like because coming back when you're a way lot of, down and stuff. A lot of turnovers, awful in the red zone. And if you remember in the year, they were cutting kickers all the time. Chris <laughs> Chris Godwin
3: is a really good player, and he's going to have a hard time getting on the field because they're so deep at receiver. We'll see. They they definitely copied the Eagles. I mean, that was the approach. Curry and JPP have to come through. I don't think it's a it's a it's a certainty that that happens. But if it does, I think this division is so loaded. And they did try to improve the secondary. They took two players, MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis, in the second round. Both players, maybe a little bit of surprise to some people, but they were second-round picks at cornerback. So they, they tried to do it there. I think Jason Light had an awesome offseason. Yes.
2: Yeah. The, the The team looks a lot better. I like... Uh, Ronald Jones to replace mm-hmm. Doug Martin. I think that Rojo, little Rojo action there. I told by. Rojo.
4: That's that's hey. what we're going with. Yeah, right.
2: that's his nickname. I
4: like it. That right.
2: and the Texas Tesla.
4: <laughs> Whoa. Wow.
2: Yeah, you
4: You're know a so nickname
3: much. Watch. So much more than us.
2: Okay. Uh, final team. This I, is it, guys.
3: Oh, we've made it. I we've told,
2: made it into the end. That was fast. Oh. Was well, it
3: the Washington <laughs> Redskins? <laughs> Uh, they lost Kirk Cousins, you would think losing, you know, the highest priced, uh, you know, free agent in NFL history would be a bad thing. But my question is, after adding Alex Smith, Darius Geis, and Paul Richardson to an offense that already had Dotson, Crowder, and hopefully a healthy Jordan Reed, aren't you more excited to watch the 2018 Washington Redskins offense than you were
4: to watch last season's? only because everybody's healthy and everybody was injured last year.
2: Remember that offensive line how many injuries they had? Oh,
4: it was it was unbelievable. Then Jordan Reed, who's their best offensive player, was out almost the entire year. Every time they had a starting running back, that running back got injured. Every time they had a number 1 receiver, that receiver got injured. It was really sad. Well, I think Dotson showed enough last year that now we're actually
3: I'm Did he? Well, I think he showed enough last year where I'm more excited about him legitimately, what? where I've now seen that he can be a difference maker when he's out there. I'm
4: genuinely curious. What did he, what did he show other than he's a jump ball specialist?
3: He, I think he's great uncontested catches, and yeah, that's he's it. extremely I'm t- yeah, athletic.
1: And, and that's the flash, right? It, the flash was his jump ball ability, and we saw Kirk start to trust him a little bit more. Is Alex Smith going to be the guy that takes those chances? Uh, with that's, Josh Dotson, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the biggest question for his success. Is is that going to be an opportunity for him? And
3: is Geis? I don't know. You know, Geis on paper is an upgrade, huge talent wise. And Alex from Smith the running has back. always
2: had a running game.
3: And I'm not ruling out that Alex Smith is an upgrade on Cousins. I think it's probably Cousins is definitely a safer. Like, if he was still in Washington, I would trust it. But like, it wouldn't surprise me a ton if Alex Smith has the similar numbers to what Kirk Cousins had in Washington.
2: The run defense was a major problem last year and I think that they addressed that really well in the draft, pairing Duran Payne with Jonathan Allen. That that will definitely help.
3: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You don't think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust Bruce. I don't trust their front office. I don't like Tell they've they've us. brought Tell in they brought in a ton of defensive linemen over the last four or five years, and everyone thinks that that year that they solved it, and then it never gets solved. And Jonathan Allen didn't really show a lot last year. Not that he, he's a bust or anything. He was
4: just hurt. Yeah, I thought he looked good before he got injured. I, I like their personnel in the front seven, but then you lose one of your best cornerbacks in the, in the trade that got you Alex Smith because he got sent to Kansas City. So the secondary to me is a bit of a question mark.
3: No more D'Angelo Hall. It's weird to look at a Redskin secondary with no D Hall. <laughs> I just right. saw him down in a meeting room at 9.30 in the morning. You know, life comes at you fast. Yeah. You're, at, you're at a total access prep meeting at 9.30. But
1: things can change. You know, we we saw uh, Matt Schaub walking through here a couple of years ago thinking, oh, yeah, Matt Schaub's going to be Really? Me. And then uh, he's been on the Falcons. since <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> are you sure that wasn't just like Steve from accounting
1: no. or something? I no. went Schaub was here, and I was like, oh, my God.
4: I would have lost a, a ton of money if we were betting whether Matt Schaub would still be in the league in <laughs> 2018.
1: That's amazing. Things change quick.
2: Wow. Back well, that's forth. it.
4: Well, we had, it ended we with the it. only way it could, with Matt Schaub talking. <laughs> right.
2: That's how we know <laughs> it's a good talk. show. Good show, good show, good show. Um, when are we back? When are you guys back?
3: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're back to that schedule. Uh, I believe through at least uh, most of the mini-camp OTA season.
2: Okay, so Dan will be back uh, probably not Sessler yet. Mar- May uh, 11th he's coming back?
3: I guess. I'm not sure how that all works. I think he's just out of commission. Okay. He's just like out of... What if he gets sequestered?
2: Dude, that's exactly right. what I was thinking. I was like, Mark Sessler on like some double murder Wait. case yeah. being sequestered?
1: <laughs> That's- I'd re- I would I can't wait to read the book, the like Sessler book.
3: Yeah. It'll be, it'll be like The Juror by Mark Sessler. One man's you know battle with conscience and crime or something like that. Oh, it's going to get
4: weirder than that. It's going to
2: be great. I kind of love this whole thing. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That does it for us for Bon Bon. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the mailman. The boss. Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Wait for it until Monday.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,